And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music... Nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well... My advice to you... Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey guys, just a firmly reminder, we are coming up on our one year Boots and Whiskey Podcast anniversary. We are kicking it off a great celebration, June 11th, Country Jam, Wojcik's Farm, 65 Milk Street, Blackstone, Massachusetts. This is a 21-plus event from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Cat Country is going to be there out of Providence. Come check it out. Get your tickets. You'll be able to see Wendy and the Cultivators, Pete Tyler Band, Trigger South, the Pub Kings, Goat Roper Band, Houston Bernard, and Timmy Brown will be our headliner. It's going to be a hell of a night. Get your tickets. You're not going to want to miss it. June 11th. Country Jam, Wojcik's Farm. We'll see you there. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim. Welcome everyone, new and old friends. Thank you all so much for being here for our episode today with Dane Lewis. Um, full disclosure, because you know me by now, I'm not one to pull punches or, you know, bullshit here. This episode should have come out long, long ago. Um, Dane and I had this conversation, damn, beginning of February, I want to say. So Dane, thank you so much for being patient. Um, I, I honestly, truly, 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 truly appreciate it. Um, this is a conversation that was a lot of fun. You know, they're all, they're all pretty much fun, but, um, Dane's quite the character. And if you've been following him on his TikTok, you'll see that. Um, for those of you that don't go follow Dane Lewis on TikTok because it's fucking awesome. He has been killing the TikTok game. Um, he cracks me up with some of the things he does. And, um, you know, he's had some really touching stuff that I've actually texted him about, you know, offhand and was like, dude, that was awesome. And, um, so Dane, thank you for that. 
Um, and thank you for this conversation. Um, I really hope to talk to Dane again because Dane's going to be one of those people that I think is going to is going to sneak up on everyone and be like, "I'm here, fucker." Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm swearing a lot, but that's just the um, the badass sentiment that Dane Lewis has and uh, brought out in me for this episode. And I'm not upset about it because we're not necessarily a safe for work show, but you know we have fun. And I want to thank Dane for the fun that we had. So, and um, as always, I want to thank my friends, CMV Music Network, Dirt Rose Color Supply Company, Matthew Allen Photography, Soul Authentic, uh, Chocolate Whiskey Discs, Roxley, um, all of our friends and family and our supporters. Thank you all so much. Um, before the conversation with Dane, as always, a little a little thank you from us to CMV. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of the conversation. I also want to say a big thank you to our friends over at CMV Music Network for sponsoring today's episode and helping us bring it to you. Always remember CMV Music Network. It's where musicians come to play. Hey, Dane. How are you? Good, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, so like I told you, this is, you know, this is about you, you know, where it's a, it's a laid back conversation all about what you're doing, where you've been, how you've come up and, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you steer the ship here, man. Okay. Sounds good, man. Um, yeah, no, uh, just, uh, just a country musician from Iowa, man. There's not a whole lot of them. It seems like anymore, a lot of dudes coming out of Alabama and Georgia and stuff like that. And, uh, Kind of grew up on uh, classic rock and um, some small, some different country radio, but for the most part, just kind of guys like Tom Petty and stuff like that. So I, uh, I got into playing classic rock with some buddies from high school, and then uh, learned they weren't pumping out any more new classic rock. So uh, <laughs> I kind of had to re-identify ourselves and wound up through a couple different bands. Uh, landing on country just for the songwriting aspect and the fact that a lot of the kind of muscle country guys like Eric Church and Jason Aldean kind of sounded like a lot of the classic rock anyways. So uh, after that, just kind of had a couple different lineup changes through the years and stuff like that, but uh, finally found myself with a good group of guys in my current lineup that I've had for about two years. My guitarist has been with me for five, drummer for three, and bass player for two. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've been uh, we played a lot of shows with a lot of different national touring acts from Billy Currington and Brantley Gilbert, Tracy Bird, Co Wetzel, uh, you know, Red Dirt guys, mainstream guys, kind of all over the place. So it's been a it's been a heck of a ride so far. We're excited to be recording and releasing a bunch of new singles and stuff. And uh, we got a new one coming out here soon in March, I believe, uh, called In Our Way. But we just dropped our newest single called whiskey wears off uh with a music video and uh it's been it's been received pretty well and everybody at the shows kind of has gotten used to hearing it as kind of a staple set so it's been a lot of fun yeah yeah and it's a great song you know it really is it it kind of like it's very poignant and you know hearing your background in classic rock you you hear it you know it's exactly what um you know the guys like church and maldine and are doing Absolutely. And that's kind of the, the MO that we want to keep up. I mean, we've uh, 
we've enjoyed, you know, a lot of the regular country radio that's been around in the last couple of years. But I mean, it's no secret to anybody that it's kind of grown to become adhered to a pop audience. And that's all well and good, too. And I got a lot of good buddies that are that are kind of those popular country artists and they're awesome dudes. They write good songs, but that's not so much our style and where we come from. So we've uh, we've enjoyed throwing our own flavor on a lot of things and seeing how people react to it. And so far, it's been it's been a lot of fun to see how people react to it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you find that it was an easy transition to go from, you know, that classic rock sound and feel to, you know, the kind of country music that you produce? That's a good question. Not a lot of people ask that. You know, it was kind of a weird thing because we we were doing classic rock type stuff. And me and my guitarist at the time, we wound up joining a hard rock band. And we actually, I was a junior in high school still. Um, but the guitarist and the drummer, they were a little older than us and they'd been doing it for a while and they just needed replacement members. And, um, we actually had kind of an offer for a spot on warp tour when that was still a thing. And, uh, we were kind of working with a ra- uh, label deal with, a, a pretty popular rock singer, um, that had just split from his band and started a label. So we were kind of all, uh, full steam ahead on, the hard rock game well then we kind of a little bit of a falling out that happens in music you know and uh mm. it was it kind of also drove home the point to me that i want the songs that i'm writing and singing to mean a lot to me and not to say that rock music doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people because i totally know it does but for me it was more about storytelling and authentic songwriting um that i that i love to listen to so when we were playing in that hard rock band it kind of drove me further away from that rock dynamic and kind of tried to uh, write songs and stuff like that and really get down to my roots about what mattered and what I kind of enjoyed. And um, But there's always still that flavoring and that style that we didn't really know how to do anything else than what we enjoy. And that's kind of been a, a treat in the end, what we thought was kind of going to be kind of a pain in the ass, but it was a... <laughs> It, it wound up being kind of a treat, so uh, it's become quite a definitive style for us. So, yeah, you know, and it's and it's funny you say that because I find that, you know, with a lot of the artists that I've been talking to, you know, they have a similar sound to you. You know, we don't have a lot of poppy country on here. I mean, yeah, obviously you're going to get some of that, but I feel like the genre, especially in the independent world and the guys that are coming up, it's very much this style. It has you know, the church influences and the Aldean influences, because I think because of, you know, the old, I don't want to say older, but the, uh, you know, the people that are in their mid thirties that are listening to this stuff, that's what they want to hear. You know, they don't necessarily want to hear, you know, the latest, you know, pop song with a twang. Right. Exactly. No, and that's like uh, our buddies uh, in Coetzel and the convicts. uh, Those guys are, they're dope. Uh, they're big, big kind of rock sound out of Texas, and uh, they're uh, they've kind of been a, a spearhead for the movement in a lot of ways for a lot of folks. Knowing that just because it's underground doesn't mean that it's not going to be popular or going to be successful. Um, and a lot of folks, I mean, you, you hear it with Hardy, you hear it with Morgan Wall, and you hear it with a lot of guys that are just kind of trying to say we don't really care so much about. And those guys, I mean, they'll throw it all over the place. They'll do pop to rock you know morgan yeah. and party and stuff like that but um 
for the most part, I mean, a lot of dudes are kind of just they're they're over it. I kind of equated uh, the the teens of country, like you know, twelve to twenty twenty, uh, of kind of being like the eighties. It were, <laughs> where it had the hair metal and the glam metal and stuff, and some of it was really really good, and some of it was like yeah, the bands that you'll probably forget about in a couple years. And then yeah. I kind of think we're getting into the nineties where a lot of dudes have like that kind of Nirvana or Pearl Jam kind of attitude to a lot of things. They're like, you know what? We're going to pull the punches on the, the pop easily marketable stuff. And we're just going to write about what we, uh, what we like and what we think. And I'm really excited to see the music that comes out of, you know, not only Nashville, but you know, this, um, out of Texas, out of the Midwest, out of, you know, everywhere uh, for country music for the next couple of years, because honestly, country music's closest identifier is classic rock. It's just kind of shaped into a different thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because I always say, I always make the comparison to like, um, you know, the Southern rock mm -hmm. sound of the seventies, you know, the, yep. the Skinnerds and oh, yeah. know, <clears throat> all those bands where, you know, that sound is coming back in a more, you know, under the country genre umbrella and right. it's becoming really popular. Absolutely. Well, and that's what I tell everybody too. I say, you know, cause they're like, what, what sound are you? I was like, well, if we were like 40 years earlier, we probably would have been marketed somewhere alongside Tom Petty and Mellon camp and Skinner and Molly hatchet and guys like that. Like, I mean, it was back then it was just Southern rock, classic rock, but now it's yeah. Under that country umbrella, which I'm comfortable with and it's cool. And the community is really cool around it too. So I, I, uh, I'm excited to see how many guys kind of, blossom that southern rock ideal and sound in the next couple of years alongside us because that's what we intend to do and we kind of intend to keep it up so yeah now being coming from that you know that heavy i i want to say heavy metal because that's the way i <laughs> i Honestly, think of it pretty close to what it was <laughs> yeah now how what do you think you know i'm a product of the late 90s early 2000s right so i was mm -hmm you know, the newfound glories of the world and mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff, the Ozfest, yep. um, you know, that's what I grew up on. <laughs> so, yep. you know, you, being, you know, now in my mid thirties, like that stuff doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't appeal, but it's not, it's not relatable, right? As a 35 right. year old with a family, you know, I don't hate my parents anymore. <laughs> right. 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 I'm not angry that they made me. Yeah. No, <laughs> do you, do you contribute a lot of that to like, you know, our age group where, you know, we've kind of, you know, and I say this to people all the time that my musical tastes ebb and flow with whatever the hell's going on in life. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, these guys like you and the other ones that, that have a similar sound, do you think that that progression is just natural or is it more, Hey, this is what's making money. So this is what I'm going to do. You know, I, I think it's really a, a tie between the two. I like to think as a musician that it's strictly because of, you know, that's just what we've developed into. That's what everyone's gotten tired. So of the, of what they listen to so they want to be new they want to be fresh with it but i think a lot of it does come from obviously the almighty dollar too and a lot yeah. of guys understand this is marketable but usually you'll see that later in the game so yeah after the after the southern rock i don't know if you want to call it the southern rock revival or whatever you want to call it <laughs> after that rolls through town you'll see a lot of guys that are 
you know, comfortable in that not so edgy pop style country stuff, I think you'll see them develop their sound into becoming that too. I mean, they'll just mold to it because that's where the cookie cutters landed now. And, you know, obviously you guys, you got guys that are spearheading it and you got guys that are following it. And that's when the money will be good. Cause right now the money is still in the, the poppy stuff, whatever, but it's, it's starting to migrate and people are, that's why dudes like Luke Combs are getting huge. You know, I mean, they're not selling Luke Combs as a sex symbol, obviously. I mean, (laughs) I mean, for some, for some women, he is, Hey, you know what, maybe, and you know what, there's, there's, for everybody but i mean i love that <laughs> i love that it's kind of migrating out of that like and even just the the mullets and the mustaches and the things that were so taboo not even like five years ago you know yeah and it's it's become such a we don't care what we look like or you know it, it's it's really reminiscent of the 90s to me in that in that sense of you know just that attitude and that but um overall yeah i like to think that a lot of the artists are kind of just uh trying to stretch their legs a lot on styles and look into we're in a totally different generation. We're not controlled by the radio anymore. I mean, this is a perfect yeah. example. People listen to podcasts, people listen to their own radio shows that they want to listen to versus just what their local is. So people can dig for music now. And that's, that's kind of been a treat and also a challenge to musicians to make, show us, you know, show the world why people should waste their time listening to you versus clicking on a radio station. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that was perfectly said because, you know, if it wasn't for things like Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like, you know, people like me would have no idea who you and a lot of others are. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, no, because it's been a blessing for us. Right. Absolutely. So now with, you know, understanding your background and where you've come from and your sound, how much of that and how much of your real life day-to-day stuff is reflected in the lyrics that you write? Um, that's funny too. Uh, I always try to, so we played a show with Brantley Gilbert this last summer and Brantley's one of those huge dudes that like every song he writes is a part of his story, part of his journey, part of his life. And I kind of try to emulate that because I remember Brantley's one of the first dudes that I heard in country music I was like, whoa, this doesn't have to be all like yeehaw trucks, tractors and fiddles. Like this can be <laughs> yeah. some like rock and stuff, which is really cool. Um, and uh, Bradley is one of those dudes like he's exactly who you think he is. Like there's a lot of artists, you know, it's just like normal people. Half of the people are the coolest people in the world. Half of them are dickheads. And <laughs> And Brantley's not that at all. I mean, he is the—he's one of the coolest, most down-to-earth guys. He was helping his merch guy do merch packages and stuff like stuff he didn't need to do, hanging out around all the opening bands and just cutting it up. So like, that's—he's um, one of those dudes that I emulated before I got into it. And now that we're in the swing of things, I—I I love that too. So for my songwriting, I always try to obviously as a writer you embellish a little bit and you take ideas from different people's lives and but every song i have i can tell you who it's about or what part of my life it was i can i can literally pinpoint it to oh this was you know i watched this girl go through a breakup in my hometown and she's you know she's out drinking again and she's running around with a bunch of different dudes and i have a song that we're going to be working on called she's too pretty and it's like it's not even related to me but you have, you know, you embellish and relate it to yourself, but it's exactly 
what you went through the, our new single that we're working on right now in our way um we're actually just we just got done recording it and um we're that was a story about a friend of mine that i was really tight to and kind of smitten with and she'd come back from college and we were hanging out but as soon as you know the winter breaks are over or the whatever they go back to their life out there and i'm still here and it's like well man it's like you're kind of reminiscent of the days where we were younger and in high school and stuff like that and we didn't have any of those responsibilities so and whiskey wears off is exactly punch for punch a true story i mean that one i didn't even have to embellish really that actually every word of that happened and um i try to keep most of my songwriting that way because i've found a lot of artists right they think want to hear but what people actually the more personal you make it ironically enough the more identifiable to someone else's story it is everybody to think that your experience is exclusive is almost naive so it's uh it's kind of the more I, i wrote a song for my dad that passed away and i wrote it specifically about him i mean just about his drag bike and you know farming and stuff like that and i couldn't believe the overwhelming response of how many people identified with it and it was so personal but that's what made it uh palatable to everybody else someone else has been through that so right yeah you know and that's for me that's what's so important about this show for me is that you know based on our conversations off off the air you know, that's why I want to, I want you to be as authentic as possible because, you know, yeah, your songs are great and what you're doing is great. But like at the end of the day, you know, I want to know about you so that the audience can know about you through your music. You mm-hmm. know, nobody, nobody really gives a shit that you write songs and put them out. They want to, they want to connect to them. Right. That, that's, that's very, very well said. That's the best <laughs> way you can put it because I mean, people yeah they, they want to feel something they want to identify with an artist they they don't want to listen to somebody that they know was a industry baby that you know was right. molded by you know what sells they want to know like that's why co got so popular everyone's like this dude doesn't give a damn about <laughs> anyone right. thinks about him and he's writing stupid authentic stuff that right. you know has f-bombs all over the place and he doesn't give a shit like i mean right. it's just it's kind of a cool thing to see you know artists genuinely be themselves and that's what sells more than anything is just people being authentic so that's what you know whether it does or doesn't right away that's what we're gonna try to keep as our mo right and and it's and it's obviously working right you know to go back to brantley like um you know he's not a you know he's not who you think of when you think radio hit you know even though he has had hits on the radio yeah exactly because it is so authentic and like you said it is so real and not overly produced it's not full of bullshit it is what it is Mm -hmm. no and that's that's the best example that i can think of offhand just from meeting the guy and playing a show with him and a lot of dudes you know i've like i said i've played with i've played with both sides of the fence and i've had a good time with both sides of the fence but you know it's the audience even knows what's real. You're like, right. all right, yeah, you didn't actually have that story. But, like, when they come up with such a weird, weird out there idea for a song, it's like, how could you have made that up? And it's like, they didn't. Like, it actually happened. It's, it's so crazy right. you can't make that shit up kind of thing. So. Right, right. Exactly. You know, the audience 
episodes that Tim McGraw didn't go work out in the field Monday through Thursday and then jump on the stage Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. That's it too. And that's, you know, I, <laughs> you know? I always try to be reflective in songs that I do that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I used to do that, but now I'm doing music and I do it right. all week. And, right. you know, Monday through Thursday, I'm doing online stuff. And then Thursday night through Sunday night, usually we're playing shows. So it's like, I'm not going to pretend like, hey, no, now I'm I'm still, you know, the old farmhand that I was <laughs> when I was in my teens. Like, you know, obviously, I you know, I enjoyed that. I pulled a lot from those experiences and I still try to relate to them because a, a lot of my books, I still talk to all my friends at home about, you know, farming and what grain prices are doing and stuff like that. But obviously, yeah, you're, you know, I'm in a different world now that, you know, and so it's also kind of hard in that sense to keep it relatable and keep it fresh you know i've kind of transitioned into this new period which has been amazing but you don't want to get cyclical with your writing and continue to write the same thing and a lot of that's where a lot of the the ingenuine music stems from is they can't relate to it anymore right so yeah you know i and i want to you know now that you've brought it up i want to talk a little bit about um you know growing up right you know like you i i had the you know, the metal and the angst, the teenage angst. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, in college, I did the jam band circuit. And now later in life, later in life, like I'm super old, (laughs) you know, as I've gotten older, you know, wife and kids and all that country music speaks to me. Now, for somebody like you that has been in, been in it and done shows and um, do you find that country music is unique in certain aspects when it comes to the accessibility to whoever you're playing with or the sense of community based, you know, contrary to, you know, whatever rock and roll does or, or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. I I think a lot of folks, um, I think, you know, when when we were younger and listened to a lot of that stuff, and not that we don't listen to it anymore, but it's right. A lot of people listen to a lot of the heavier rock stuff because they're like, this isn't what's okay with my folks. This isn't what's okay with my family. And that's why I'm listening to it because I want to be, I identify with this and I feel like I'm isolated. And now as a lot of folks get older, you know, you get closer to your family again, you get closer to those experiences and you start your own families. And that's, that's what you relate to and feel. So it's definitely more accessible for all generations. I mean, now it's, it's funny that, you know, when we do a show, we'll have people that are, you know, in their mid and early teens and whatever that are enjoying it. And we'll have people that are in their seventies and eighties that are regulars at regional shows that always come up and swing dance and stuff like that. So it's, it's nice to be able to kind of break that mold of it's only for this certain group of people. Like it's only for this. If you're not down with this then you're not welcome, that's like the exact opposite. Like I'm, I always want to be very adamant that anybody, any, age religion creed anything please come to the shows because i'm sure you'll pick out something you can enjoy you know and that's it's become a much more accessible kind of music something everybody can relate to and that's what we try to do yeah absolutely now with the music you have and the music you have coming out and whatever 2022 is going to bring to you what what is your plan you know what do you have in the pipeline to come out this year and in the future what does that look like for you so we um we've been playing uh in the midwest regionally for the last couple of years you know doing doing the same thing and it's been great 
Um, we released a couple independent albums that we pulled since um, because we just we felt we could do better. Um, yeah. We recorded it at different places. Now we do all of our recording in-house. My bass player, Briar, is an amazing producer and has his own studio and all that. So we get to do everything in-house now. So I, I just run over to Briar's studio or whatever, or I can send him tracks through the computer. My guitarist lives in Nebraska. Um, I and the bass player both live in Iowa. And our drummer is in Nashville right now, but my guitarist and I are moving to Nashville in April. Um, so with that, Briar's going to stay here for a little while and just kind of do fly dates and bus calls and stuff like that. Um, but we're uh, we're intending to drop a couple more singles this year, probably at least we have in our way coming up in March. Um, we'll probably drop one or two this summer, hopefully one or two this upcoming fall and winter as well. And I would wager that as long as the demand's there and everything keeps building the way it should, I mean, kind of dropping singles is, has become the new norm. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm old school. I like an album. Like if someone drops a 30 song album, that'll feed me for a long time <laughs> yeah, yeah. versus a lot of folks, they just want to hear what's the new single. And then they'll go through the album and try to pick something out, but then they'll miss 20 songs, you know, or they'll miss right. 15 songs. So you only want to give them, give so much it, at a time but um also with that as artists we want to release as much as possible so i would wager that if we don't have it out it'll be well in the works uh to have an album by the end of this year and um you know we're on spotify right now you guys can go check that out and itunes apple music amazon everywhere you guys listen to music just go check it out we just have whiskey wears off out right now and we're working on the follow-up very very soon um like i said i think it's springs early 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 to mid spring is kind of our our tentative deadline on everything right now and um but yeah we're, we're excited to move to nashville and with that's going to come some challenges and some things that make things a lot easier i mean we'll be able to be around a lot of the same folks and have some good new writing experiences and um different ways to route out of nashville that um we don't have easily accessible in Iowa. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's very, it's very exciting, uh, very uncertain, but um, we're comfortable doing it because we got a really good network of folks around us and uh, we have a really good fan base in the Midwest. So I know every time we come home, it's going to just kind of be like cutting it up with old friends anyways. So that's awesome. That's incredible. That's really great for you. That's I'm very excited yeah. to hear what you have going on. So, with that, you know, with moving to Nashville, like, do you have some, you know, in the back of your head, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to get accomplished, you know, in six months or a year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, I, I always hate to speak on it because I, I would hate to over or underestimate what <laughs> I'm going to be able to do, you know, and I tell everybody that, but in a nutshell, I mean, I, I just want to grow our fan base and I want to grow our following and make ourselves an easily accessible artist um, because it, it's, I feel like it's too cliche and almost condemning anymore to just be like, Oh, can't wait to move to Nashville and try to get a record deal. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that would be welcome. That would be great. But there's a lot of things that happen with record companies that sometimes you get shelved and sometimes, you know, then you can't release anything and then you're really stuck in limbo. So I guess my only goal is to uh, access, you know, a new network 
of people while we're in Nashville, you know, get a new fan base, get, you know, grow our, and with Nashville being a, a giant tourist trap of the city, which is great uh, because it, it's become such a melting pot and everybody from everywhere is coming there. So that's the easiest way for people to drop in from Arizona and be like, oh, cool. Well, I love you guys. I'm going to take you back to Phoenix and spread you, you know, and then yeah. you let your fans work for you. So I guess that's kind of that's my only goal is to just kind of grow, continue to grow our following and continue to get streams on on everything. And have everything well received probably i i guess i really hope to be doing uh doing opening slots on a national tour within a year that would be my my biggest goal is to be at least on a couple different legs of a couple different tours within a year that's and and you know with the sound you have and the you know the rate of speed you're going i don't see why that would be you know too far off of you know, a possibility. Thanks, all. man. No, I appreciate that. No, it's, no it's, it's, it's been exciting so far and the shows that we've gotten to play have been blessings and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's super cool. And it really comes down to your networking. It really comes down to just meeting a lot of cool people. And so yeah. far we've been very, very fortunate to do that. So. Yeah. And, you know, being in Nashville, you know, you get the writers rounds, you have, you oh, know, yeah. whiskey jam, you have, you have all these, you really have, the country music world, you know, at your feet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's, and I, I love being immersed in it too, because it's hilarious. You'll, you'll be at, you know, Whiskey Jam or you'll be at Sixth and Peabody at the Old Smoky Distillery. You'll be at like all these venues watching bands just, just breaking through that are like our, our friends in uh, uh, Ashlyn Craft. Uh, we played with her with Brantley and, um, there was the three of us on that bill and we became tight with her and all her band and um, awesome, awesome folks, Tori Parker, Noah and uh, Andrew, they're super cool dudes and chick and chicks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Ash has got some awesome stuff. She just dropped an album that is really freaking awesome, but yeah, um, it is really good. Um, but we were sitting there watching them play. Just We just went to go watch our friends play, kind of like we do at home. Like, oh, our bit friend's band's playing. And then, you know, we're sitting there, and you look over, and it's like all Luke Combs's camp and all of Big Loud's labels in the back, and Devin Dawson's there. And I'm standing, like, next to Mitchell Tenpenny because his fiance was playing there on that bill, too, and all that stuff. So it's like – it's funny in Nashville to see everybody – kind of just doing that community thing where it's not like an exclusive club to everything. Everybody's just a normal person, you know, even though we're all trying to be superstars and we're jaded as shit, but it's, uh, you know, it's still just, uh, it's fun to see how open that community is to all kinds of different people and, um, and just welcoming it is, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because even like the, the people I've gone after to be on this show, you know, the level that you know some of them are at that said yeah absolutely you know kind of shocks me for somebody that was you know in the rock and roll world as a kid and you know seeing that aspect of it too because that's it's not like that you know I would never be able to get you know Joe Perry to come on right show but then I've had you know you know I don't want to you know you know who's been on the show right and you know I've got some people that are lined up that you know it blows my mind and I don't think it's real until it's actually going to happen. Exactly. And that's, that's it. And then the phone call comes through. It's like, Oh wow. I'm, no, I, I'm actually talking to this person. And I, I've right. loved that 
about the Nashville dynamic versus like the old school LA dynamic with, you know, because that's really what Nashville's become is like, you know, Hollywood was in the, in the eighties and sunset strip and all that stuff. And those guys also with, without social media, a lot of those, you know, quote unquote legends were untouchable because there was no way to reach them unless you go through a litany of marketing departments and, you know, different labels and stuff. And now everybody, it's like, man, you can shoot them a message on Instagram and they might respond and hop on the show and hang out for a while. And, and any artist that's out there trying to push their publicity and push their, you know, push their craft, it it makes the most sense to do that. And yeah, yeah, that rock world is kind of unaccessible. It's, it's, well, it was funny. I, we were in Nashville, um, back last July and we were playing at, we just hung out and did a jam night at Bowie's on third Avenue and we were hanging out and um, our friend's band was the jam band, the host band or whatever. And we played for a little bit. And then we were kind of, I was up at the bar and I looked in the back and I saw like, I'm still a huge rock fan, but I saw uh, the lead singer from dirty honey um, in the back. And I was like, Oh shit, I think that's Mark from dirty honey. I was like, well, I'm not going to be weird fan girl. I'm just getting <laughs> beer and go to the bathroom. Well then Mark walks in the bathroom and he's like, yo, it's like, how's it going, man? He's like, good. And I was like, are you Mark from dirty honey? Like, and he's like, yep. And I was like, what, what are you doing in town? He goes playing with the black crows. And I was like, Oh, it's dope dude. And so we wound up, uh, it was funny by the time we got out of the bathroom, shooting this shit uh his guitarist was on stage with my bass player playing in a mock-up band and so we were kind of talking to those guys and we wound up going to red door saloon and hanging out and then we're sitting there and it's, it's, this is kind of a funny story about how crazy the worlds or how much different the worlds are but um we're you know we're like holy shit we're huge fans of these guys like and they're just you know down here chilling hanging out well so I, I got I bought those guys a round of drinks and we look over and then Morgan Wallen was like three people over. I was like, oh, cool. There's Morgan, whatever. And yeah. uh, and then my drummer goes, Morgan Wallen. And then the singer for Dirty Honey goes, who the fuck is Morgan Wallen? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the biggest small world hilarious thing. It's like these guys are here opening for the Black Crows and they're huge in the rock community. And and then on the other side, you know, Morgan's huge in country. And then <laughs> they don't have any idea who the other one is. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is right. funny. It's, that's it's, awesome. That's a small world thing, but I love it in Nash. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, the first time I went to Nashville was like really kind of at the start of my country music craze. And, uh-huh. you know, over the last few years, you know, I know people that have gone down there and like similar story to that, where it's like they come into this, you know, offshoot bar off of Broadway and mm-hmm. Morgan Wallen walks in and you know things like that and it's like when I was in Nashville I would have had no idea who the hell anybody was right you know and now it's like exactly what you just said it was you know it'd be like oh holy shit look at who that is you right know, and, you know but I mean if you're not paying attention to the genre you wouldn't know oh yeah well and it was the funniest thing is I went up to my buddy after we ran in the dirty honey guys we were kind of talking to them and they went back the singer went back to their table because there was some other friends and I went to my buddy who was the jam band and I was like oh shit Mike I was like the uh I said Dirty Honey's here the rock band he goes oh you mean Parmalee and I was like no I was like Dirty Honey the rock band not Parmalee the country band he goes no Parmalee's here they're up at the bar and I was like 
oh shit no dirty honey's here they're in the back <laughs> like so it's funny i mean it's just it's so small world and everybody's just real people that just want to go to a bar and hang out so yeah it's but it's it is so funny just to see all that and be observant of that yeah absolutely you know it's it's great it's a great community and you know it's you're really lucky to be a part of it. You know, that's, that's, that's what I've come to the conclusion of. Um, You know, so I know, I know you got things to do today. So I thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So before, before we go, like I told you, none of this, you know, I have, I had no questions coming in. I don't, I just don't do it that way. I don't like doing it that way. You know, all the questions have come based on our conversation, but I do have two that I have to ask everybody. Okay. Um, because we are the Boots and Whiskey podcast, if you wear boots, what are they? And if you drink whiskey, what is your whiskey of choice? Easy. Dan Post boots, Jameson whiskey. Um, I have, well, and it's like, I like, I'll put it this way. Like Dan Post boots are, they can be flashy. They can be really dressed down. And they're, I don't know, they're always comfortable to me. I have like, I'm looking over. I have Tony Llamas. I have Ariats. I have everything. I wear the shit. I've got more pairs of shoes than most girls have ever dated. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I love Dan Post boots. They're comfortable as hell. Um, and uh, the buckskin ones I got, I think, are my favorite. They're really, really comfortable. Uh, and then Jameson, just because uh, I drank Jack for a while, and that made me really fighty. And uh, <laughs> Jim Beam, I drank for a while, and then I just got kind of tired of it. But Jameson's kind of been a staple of mine for a couple of years now that I've enjoyed. So, been a big fan of that. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's always been fun. There's there's uh, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago with some guys in Austin, Texas, that do a whiskey podcast too. Whiskey and Whiskers, I think, is the name of their podcast, and they're super cool. And they do it. They drink a different bottle of whiskey or whatever every week. And so I think, I think I got the access to that, like on my, uh, on my Instagram somewhere on Dane Lewis official on my Instagram. Um, but it was, uh, it was really cool. Uh, I just, I like drinking whiskey. I like wearing boots. So I, this was kind of right up my alley to be on your podcast today, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I, I thank you for your stories and your time. And, you know, I wish you nothing but the best in your, in your career and going forward and anything that we can do for you here. You know, as things release, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out and we'll we'll get it out there for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, Jim. Have a good one, brother. Absolutely. You too, Dane. Thank you again. Yep. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, everybody. As all, you know, there, there's, what can I say? Dane was great. Dane is great. Um, like I said, go check him out on, on all socials, on Spotify, anywhere you can. Follow Dane Lewis around because... He's, like I said at the beginning of the episode, he's going to fucking sneak up on you and you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember when, you know, I've been telling you with this kid. So, you know, thank you everybody. You know, like I mentioned over the last few weeks, we have some stuff coming up. Um, we, I want to say we did the Lansdowne Country Fest and Hardy last night, um, and then we have Whiskey Myers on Friday. We definitely have Whiskey Myers on Friday for sure. 100%. The other two, I'm pre-recording this. So if it happened, cool. If it didn't happen, that's cool too. Um, if not, I'm sure those shows are great. Um, but yeah, 
I just I needed to get this set up in a couple weeks in advance because I got a busy got some busyness coming up. But you know what? That's the authenticity of this show. You never know what's going to happen. Um, maybe I'll even re-record this. <laughs> this part, anyway. Um, but probably not. Um, you know if we were there. You've been paying attention. You know what's going on. Um, so, really, thank you, everybody. Follow us on all of our socials. Um, check out our website, bootsandwhiskeyentertainment.com. And... Um, We'll see you all real soon. So until next time, keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass. Cheers, everyone.